if you would, get Mark chapter 7. I might have said 5. Mark chapter 7. And also get Job chapter 14. We're going to, have to get two passages of Scripture. We will start in, in Mark chapter 7 in verse 1. The Scripture here says, Then came together unto him the Pharisees, and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And when they were... And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say, with unwashed hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands oft, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they were come from the market, except they wash, they eat not. And many other things there be which they have received to hold, as the washing of cups and pots, brazen vessels, and of tables. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashen hands? He answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, they, ye hold the tradition of men, as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things ye do. And he said unto them, Full well you reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own tradition. For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother, and whoso curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, If a man shall say to his father or mother, It is Corban, that is to say, a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. And ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition which ye have delivered. And many such like things do ye. And when they, he had called all the people unto him, he said unto them, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand. There is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are they that defile the man. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. And he saith unto them, Are you so without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into the man... It cannot defile him, because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly, and goeth out into the draught, purging all meats. And he said, That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceedable thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. Now, if you would, look with me at Job chapter 14. Hold your place there in Mark. That's where we're going to turn back to. But I wanted you to see this this morning. Job chapter 14, verse 1. Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. And dost thou open thine eyes upon such an one and bringest me into judgment with thee? Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Not one. Not one. Let's pray together this morning. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to look into it, to see what you have for us. I do pray, God, that, your, uh, that uh, you would be lifted up this morning. I pray that you'd help us to see and understand here um, exactly what you're saying to the Pharisees, to all the people, and then to your disciples. And I pray, Lord, that it would uh, be a help and an encouragement to us. Uh, thank you again, Lord, so much for what you've done for us. Pray you help us now as we study your word, asking your name. Amen. This morning, back in Mark chapter 7, we're going to look at the message that Jesus delivers to three 
different groups of people. There are three different crowds here that we find in Mark chapter 7. We're going to look at the message that he declares to them. The first crowd that I want you to look at this morning, the first crowd are the Pharisees. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to be read back through Mark 7 and just take it verse by verse. And I'll make some comments and um, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll run with it here. So Mark chapter 7 and verse 1, the scripture says, Then came together unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. Now, you guys know scribes and Pharisees? These are men that are well-versed in the Old Testament. Many of them uh, have, the, have it memorized, and they, they know the law. And so in verse number 2, the Scripture says, And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say, with unwashed hands. Now, I love how your King James Bible will define words for itself. And here's a, a, a verse where very clearly God says defiled, he equates it with unwashed or unwashing is equated with defiled. Now, I don't know about you, but living in America, isn't it a blessing being able to eat out of bowls and glasses and, and use forks and knives that are washed? Is, is that generally a, a nice, comfortable thing? Now, how many of you ladies would say amen to that, right? You enjoy things that are clean. You know, now, if you hang with us guys any length of time, especially you make it to one of our man can, we don't care what's been on it. You just pick it up, and uh, Shauna gets uh, every once in a while, or about once every other week, she'll get me one of these big chicken leg things from Davis Meats, and I told her that's my Viking meal. Makes me feel like a Viking. I, you know, I need that in a big glass of milk, and I just sit down at the table and I go. It's one of those things that you look at, and I can't help but go. Rah! You know, you take a big old bite. You can't just like civilly eat this thing. It's ginormous. It's awesome. That's my Viking meal. Um, it's generally a, a very nice, luxurious thing that we get to eat out of clean stuff. So having clean silverware plates and all that, that's not a bad thing, right? Look what the, uh, it's not a bad thing. But notice the attitude of the Pharisees. And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say with unwashed hands, they found fault. The Pharisees haven't been there but two verses and they're finding fault. Pharisees, it doesn't take them long to find fault, does it? Two verses. <laughs> I, I, I read that and I go, they found fault. And I go, oh, really? <laughs> of course they found fault. They're Pharisees. They are the strictest of the strict sect. They know the law. They know the prophets. They know what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do. And the disciples are not doing what they're supposed to do. You, you, you get the air, the aura about them, the vibe. Okay, I'll, I'll go on. Verse 3. For the Now listen, and I'll emphasize some things the way I think they ought to be emphasized. For the Pharisees and all the Jews. All right, this is one of those. Uh, have you ever had somebody say something to you like this? Well, anybody that's not stupid would know this. So you're like, oh, so you're saying that I don't know that, so I'm stupid, right? All the Jews knew to do this, right? Again, it, it continues with this, this air about them. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands oft, eat not, holding the tradition of the word of God. Oh, oh the tradition of the elders. You're going to see that's a key point here. It's not that God's word shouldn't be violated. It's that these were traditions of the elders. Verse number four. And when they come from the market... 
except they wash, they eat not. I mean, okay. I mean, I'm not going to ask you if you're a germaphobe. I'm just going to tell you I'm a germaphobe. So it creeps me out to go to Walmart and grab a cart. I'm like, you walk in there and you go. You know, the, the, the whole Tim Hawkins thing, I'm using the sanitizer on the cart and everything before I put Chloe in it, you know. I, I guarantee you I am not going to Walmart touching food and all that stuff, the cart, and then going home and not washing my hands before I eat. Gross. That's the way these guys were. They didn't wash. When they were coming back from the market, if they didn't wash their hands, they weren't eating. And, and look at this, verse 4. And many other things there be which they have received to hold as the washing of cups and pots, brazen vessels and of tables. Then the Pharisee, so not only did they not wash their hands, but there was a bunch of other stuff. God just doesn't take the time to list it. He's like, you know, there are so many other things. I'm just not even going to list them. That's how, that's how many rules, how many regulations they had, how many traditions they had. But I want you to see in that verse that they have received to hold. I mean, this was, this was precious area to them. This, this was precious material. If you don't wash your hands, I mean, that was their, that was their shtick. That was their thing. Verse number five. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders? Okay. Were they concerned about people walking in the word of God, in the commandments of God? Were they saying, hey, how come your disciples are violating, uh, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit fault, uh, uh, Thou shalt not bear false witness. Are those the verses they were using? No. They were saying, why, are, why don't they follow our tradition, the tradition of the elders? Why, why are you guys doing it differently? Verse number 5 there. Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? He answered and said unto them, Well, you know, we just kind of do it differently than you guys do. Now, we are about to see, and you guys know, if you've been here for any length of time, the Christ that the world loves is not the Christ of the Bible. Because he's about to figuratively punch him in the face with Old Testament Scripture. Look what he says. Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Boom. That's as the teenagers would say. Man. You see how Jesus dealt with religious people? He, he dealt with the publicans and sinners in a much different way. But these people that were caught up in their traditions and in, and, in, and in their pride, we just know it's pride. He says, you hypocrites. You're hypocrites. Uh, there, there's a parallel passage to this. This account is also in Matthew. And right there uh, in Matthew, Peter says to the Lord, um, they were offended at this saying. You think? <laughs> so this idea that a Christian is never offensive, if we boldly proclaim the truth in love, if somebody gets offended, they got offended at Jesus. Let me ask you, did Jesus say that in love? I guarantee you he did. Because he knew exactly what was in their hearts. He knew what they needed to hear. And in love, he said, you guys are hypocrites. Well, if Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, this people... So they're quoting traditions. Why, why don't you hold the tradition of the elders? He said, I got a verse for you. 
Jesus holds to the, the words of God there in Isaiah. This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain. Vanity, right? It's the stuff of which rocks dream. Heard pastor say that as he's going through Ecclesiastes. He said, you know how much your worship amounts to? Zip. But we do this every time. Every time I eat, I wash my hands. Zip. In vain they do worship me. Why? Because verse 7 says, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Now here's the deal. We might have some kind of thing, you know, uh, this morning I'm preaching in a suit and a tie. That is a, a tradition of men. But am I laying aside the word of God in order to do that? No. You know what the Pharisees were doing? They were having traditions. They were coming up with rules and regulations that they had to lay aside or they laid aside God's word in order to keep their tradition. See the difference there? Um, verse number eight. For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things you do. And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own tradition. Now he's about to give them a, a, them a specific example. Okay, verse number 10. For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother. And whoso curseth father and mother, let him die the death. So Jesus, again, quotes scripture to them. It's in the Old Testament. You guys know the law of Moses. You guys know the law of God there. And uh, you ought to honor your father and your mother. Now, right there, does that need any kind of rabbinical translation? It, honor your father and your mother. Is that hard to understand? No. Look at what he says. That's what, mo that's what the word of God says, but verse 11. But ye say, if a man shall say to his father or mother, it is Corbin. That is to say, a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. Let me give you a couple of things about their rules and regulations. John Phillips said this, As for their rules and regulations, they were man-made, burdensome, endless, unauthorized, and uninspired. And this idea of Corbin, uh, what it was, he said, A son could say to his parent, whom it was his duty to help support in his old age. And we know, scripturally speaking, the Bible says, Honor thy father and thy mother. And then it adds a promise to that, that it may go well with thee. In the New Testament, we see uh, commandments like that expounded upon. So to, get, to give you a, uh, a cross-reference, um, 1 Timothy 5.3 says this about honoring widows. It says, Honor widows that are widows indeed. But if any widow have children or nephews, let them, let them learn first to show piety at home and to requit their parents, for that is good and acceptable before God. So there is an Old Testament law and God expounds upon it and says, you know what? If your mother is a widow, you ought to take care of her. But what the Pharisees were doing is they were, they would allow a child to gift money to the temple and be free from taking care of their parents. He says this, a son could say to his parent whom it was his duty to help support in his old age. I have dedicated to God that which would relieve your need. This left him off the hook as far as his parents were concerned. It was more important in the view of the Pharisees that a man pay his tithes and temple taxes than that he support his needy parents. A man could even say, I've dedicated all that I have to God, thus giving him a rabbinical loophole for evading his most obvious and basic duty to care for his aged parents. So you see, their traditions, what they came up with, violated Scripture. And that was a specific instance that Jesus Christ was using. So 
That's, that's what Corbin was. And, and now look at this. He says um, at the, in verse 12, And you suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother. So you know what Jesus said? Is it more important for you to honor your father or mother or you to take, and instead of helping them, you go help out at the temple? Well, they're, no, they're supposed to honor thy father and thy mother. They're supposed to help care for them. So then in verse number 13, Jesus uh, con- continues, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which ye have delivered, and many such like things ye- do ye. Uh, teenagers, have you ever gotten in trouble for like more than one thing at a time? <laughs> and, and man, you're, they're bearing down on you on the one thing. And then they said, and you know what? We, we could also talk about this, but we're not even going there. You know what Jesus said? Corbin, as wicked as that was, that to think that you can cast off honoring your father and your mother because you gave some money, that's wicked. He said, and many other such things do ye. He is hammering these guys. So that's the, the first crown. But his message to them is this. You're laying aside the word of God to hold your tradition. And you know what that amounts to? Vanity. He said, he said later on to them in, um, he says later on to them in Matthew, uh, go ahead, it's just a couple books over. Look at Matthew 25. I'm sorry, it's uh, Matthew 23. This message he gives to them a little later on. Matthew 23 and verse 25. He just told them, verse 24, Ye blind guides which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. You know, we said to him, you guys are really concerned about how you look on the outside, but you're defiled and unwashed. And you wash your hands. You make sure that all the outside stuff is right. He says, cleanse first that which is within the cup, and then the outside will be clean. You see his message to them? They had it all backwards. Uh, let's go back to Mark chapter 7, and we'll see the, the second crowd that he spoke to. So he first of all spoke to the Pharisees. Then he spoke to all the people. He spoke to all the people. Look at verse number 14. And when he had called all the people unto him, he said unto them, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand. I love it when when Jesus invites everybody to come in, and he wants them to understand. Uh, he, He wasn't trying to be mysterious with them. Verse 15. There is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. You see how plain that speech is? Because I'm sure there are people that thought, Well, I can't be ever as good as, I, I can never be. As good as the Pharisees. You remember the Lord said, Except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, you shall no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. And his disciples are going, Well, well, who then can be saved? Because the Pharisees were so perfect on the outside. And Jesus said to them, There is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are they that defile the man. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. 
If any man have ears to hear, you know, it was amazing. God's grace giving this message for all, anybody that had the ability to hear, anybody that would listen, God had a message for them. And it's, listen, the stuff on the outside that you do, that's not what defiles you. It's what comes out of your heart that defiles a man. That was his message for the crowd. The third, the third group of people that we see here, that is the fastest point, I think, preached this morning in any independent Baptist church. That was point number two. <laughs> so there might have been a place where they had kids coming back from camp and they had a junior high kid that preached and his whole message was that short. But we'll, I digress. We'll move on. Number three. The third crowd were the disciples. If you look here, look at verse number... Uh, verse 17. And when he was entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. And he saith unto them, Are ye so without understanding also? Do ye not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth not, uh, without entereth into the man, it cannot defile him? All right? So you're not defiled by eating, you know, a Viking piece of chicken leg. That's not what defiles you. He says, verse 19, Because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly, and goeth out into the draft, purging all meats. So when a man is defiled, where is he defiled? In his heart. When a man is unclean before God, where is he unclean? In his heart. The scripture says in verse 20, And he said, That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within... Now, and see, this is where our society wants you to think that all of the evil is a part of the environment that you're in that, that, that has to do with your family and, and how you're raised. Now, there are some things that will contribute maybe to a propensity for somebody to a certain behavior. But let me ask you, was Cain sitting down watching, you know, some kind of gang bang violent show where he saw people getting shot up every day and so when he and Abel went out into the field he got really mad at him and killed him what was Cain sitting around playing video games and so that's why you know he took out his brother now do those things contribute to violence yes I think they do but Cain found a way to kill his brother before that was ever even an issue why because out of his that's where it came from that hatred in his heart it, it, it um it defiled him. And the scripture talks about, it says this, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we see here, verse 21, Jesus says, For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts. Now, here's the deal. In about the next two minutes, we are all about to be real uncomfortable. You know why? Because in our hearts, we're defiled. Apart from Christ... In and of ourselves, we are not good. He said, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts. You see, it's uncomfortable already, isn't it? You know why? Because you and I, we've had evil thoughts. He goes on to say, adulteries. He said, well, I've, I've, I've not done that. Well, Jesus said in Matthew five twenty eight, But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Uh, it's uncomfortable, isn't it? He goes on and says, uh, adulteries, fornications, murders. First John 3.15 says, whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. We're not doing so good, are we? Yeah. As you go through this list, thefts. 
say, I've never stolen anything from Walmart. Oh, man, but I know that you have never taken, you know, extra break at work. And, man, the 40 hours that you're there, you have put in, you've never stolen from your company by being a lazy rear end. Thefts, covetousness. Man, every, every channel I turn to, I get covetous. <laughs> man, that's a sweet car, you know. That's a cool this. And flip the channel. Oh, that's really cool. I want one of the man. My life stinks. I don't have anything. <laughs> you know? I got everything in the world, right? I live in America. Covetousness. Scripture says, be content with such things as you have. Wickedness. Deceit. I, I know you've, you've never tried to manipulate somebody else. You've, you've never, you know, just kind of told part of what happened to make you look better. Deceit. Lasciviousness. And that is, uh, has to do with lust and lusting in excess. An evil eye. Blasphemy. Pride. It's being proud. Yeah, there, we have all been at a time in our life where we think, and maybe unknowingly, but we, we didn't consider God. The Bible says that a fool has said in his heart, there is no God, and God is not in all his thoughts. Um, there was a time that I was foolish, that, that, that I thought, you know, my life was okay and I didn't need God. Foolishness. And all, all these evil things come from within and defile the man. Isaiah 64, 6 says this, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. So the scripture there in Job says, there's an unclean. Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? So I got Jay here. I like picking on Jay. Let me see your glasses, bud. These glasses, whew, yeah, they're a little, you see the smudges on there? All right, these, these, these have a little bit of smudge, right? So what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to take, sorry, man, like allergies or something just came up. I'm going to take his glasses and I'm going to make them clean. It's a, it's a rag, Dave. Right? I'm going to clean them up. See, you can do this with teenagers. Might wanna, you might have to get a new prescription after that. What's that? Oh, I can keep them now. <laughs> he doesn't need them anymore. I want to clean those up. Now, see, we all that that really is gross, right? I, I'm not really that. Weird. I, I know that's gross. I'm just messing with. It. Am I ever going to get those glasses clean by using a snotty Kleenex? No. And yet, there are people all across this nation this morning who are in church, who are joining a church who are getting wet, they're getting baptized, they're having their baby get baptized, they're putting money in an offering plate, they are being elected deacon, they're getting a position in the church, and they think that that will make them clean. 
Jesus said, who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Not one. Not one. So where's the hope? Glad you asked. Look at Titus with me. Look at Titus. Do this for me. Get Titus chapter 3 and get Psalm 51. Jay is never going to sit on the front row again. <laughs> Psalm 50, uh, look with me first at Psalm 51. You know, uh, David, you know, had sinned and he says in verse number one, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me throughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me, he says in verse seven, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. David knew this. If God will wash me, if God will cleanse me, I will be clean. I will be washed. Look with me at Titus chapter three and look at verse number. We'll start in verse number three, Titus three, three. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. You know, we, we all have a past like that. And he says in verse number four, but after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward man appeared. Now, isn't it awesome that after we were foolish, after we were disobedient, we were deceived, we were serving diverse lusts and pleasures, that after all that, God and His kindness appeared to us and gave Jesus Christ to be a sin offering for us on that cross. He says in verse number five, uh, verse number four, but after that, the kindness and love of God, our savior toward man appeared not by works of righteousness, which we have done, right? Cause what are my, what are my righteousnesses? There is filthy rags, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. And notice this, what happened when you got saved? when you realized that you were not washed, that you were not clean before God and you could do nothing to bring a clean thing out of an unclean, and by faith you trusted the sacrifice that Jesus Christ gave, the fact that He is God, He died on the cross, was buried and rose again the third day to show that He is God and He paid the payment and penalty. And you, you had faith and trusted in His finished work. What happened then when He saved you? Well, you have the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. That's why Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Because Nicodemus could not bring, he was a Pharisee, and he could not bring a clean thing out of an unclean. And he said, and Jesus told him, you must be born again. And how is someone born again? By faith in Jesus Christ. When they are born again, there is a washing of regeneration. There's a renewing of the Holy Spirit of God. God cleans us up. God washes us. And just like David knew, if God will wash me, I'll be clean. If Jesus Christ is your Savior, and you by faith have, have trust His finished work for you, you're clean. 
You remember, he told his disciples, uh, he said, you have not, he said, you all are clean. But he knew that there was Judas, and so he said, but not all. And he said, now all you got to do is clean your feet. And we just have a daily walk that needs to be cleansed, right? So there are things that, there are times that we, there, we, we sin, right? But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if Jesus were to appear right now, and you're, you know him as your Savior, you'll stand before him clean and washed. The scripture says here, verse number 7, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. You know how you get eternal life? First of all, it's because of the kindness of God, by his mercy and his grace. And we become heirs of eternal life. You're going to heaven. The only way you're going to heaven is through Jesus Christ. And because he says in verse number 6, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. You know, when we get to heaven, I don't know if we'll learn all about everybody else's past. Probably not, because it's washed and it's under the blood. But can you imagine some of the most wicked, vile people that ever lived? If they came to know Christ as their Savior, they'll be in heaven with us. Because Christ, on every one of us that is saved, has shed that grace on us abundantly. We're forgiven. It's washed away. It's cleansed. So my question to you this morning is, have you been washed? Or are you trying to bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Nobody can do that. The Scripture has declared not one. As a believer, is it awesome knowing that it's washed away? That it's cleansed? Yeah, I remember our... Uh, I remember our... Uh, pastor in college saying this, you know, sometimes Christians live their life with this, this, I got this black X in my past and I know it's forgiven. I know it's washed away, but they, they can't get over it. Do you know that is washed away? Cup is clean. It's gone. And so if God's not going to bring it up, don't bring it up. It's washed away. It's cleansed. And uh, man, we have a great savior. We got to see in Sunday school that the next time that he appears, it's going to be, the Bible says, without sin unto salvation. Jesus is not coming back to pay for more sin. He paid one time for all time. Have you trusted him? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you so much for your grace and for your ability to wash away sin.